Kansas anymore. Are you ready? No, I'm just getting warmed up. This task was appointed to you. I said I want the truth! I say we take off and loop the entire site from Dodge that. Hello and welcome back to the BBFC podcast. Today I'm joined by our Compliance and Education Manager, Sarah, and our Compliance Manager, Chris. I'm also joined by Lord Kamlish Patel, who is a member of our Board of Classification. Welcome to the podcast. Some of our guests are joining remotely today, so we are sorry if there's any sound quality problems. The issue of discrimination, including racism within society and its portrayal in media content, is a key area of concern for many people. The last two years have seen a number of movements dedicated to raising awareness and combating discrimination and racism. We respond to what's going on in the world and how that impacts people in the UK. So today, we're going to be talking all about our new research into discrimination and racism in films and TV shows. We'll be talking about how and why we decided to do this project, what the findings are, and what the BBFC as an organisation will be changing. We'll also be talking more in depth about some of the films that we showed people during this research, both new and old. So Chris, I'll ask you this first. Can you tell me how we conducted this research and why we decided to do it now? Uh, well, as you were saying there, like we do respond to kind of public concerns. So we've kind of seen over the last couple of years how public awareness and consciousness, in no small part due to the work of some amazing kind of organisations and groups like Black Lives Matter, which have really been bringing forward uh, conversations around racism and discrimination, both within society but also in media content. And we've also seen how industry has responded to some of these discussions. So you know, certain VOD platforms and things taking certain works down, putting content warnings and things in front of certain works especially older titles. And that really kind of played into something that we saw at the BBFC in 2020. So obviously, you know, cinemas were closed and there's less new films and things coming out. So we were getting kind of resubmissions of a lot of older works. And a big part of the work that we do is kind of looking at some of these older titles. But obviously when something gets resubmitted to us and it's new, we're looking at it through our current eyes, our current you know, modern guidelines. So obviously we're reassessing things all the time. And those guidelines are ever evolving. So... In our last guidelines research in 2019, you know, we'd looked at racism and especially kind of trans issues and things as well and broader issues of discrimination as part of that research. But over the last couple of years and things, obviously things have accelerated. It's still a really kind of hot button topic. So we decided to look at it again uh, and go into a lot more detail on certain issues as well. To do this, we partnered up with a research company, in this case, uh, one called We Are Family, and organised an online community. So over a couple of weeks, uh, the participants uh, would log on and they would watch a series of different clips and answer questions about them. They also viewed full features and answered various questions around those. They recommended what they would rate it if they were working for the BBFC, and we could compare their results to what we actually gave those works. So also in terms of the people that we spoke to, the sample was weighted towards people who would have potentially experience of being discriminated against or experiencing that um, within society in their lives. Of the participants, like over 70% were those who identified as having protected characteristics. Uh, We also had a national representative group within that. So we had a, a really good kind of mixed sample covering a whole range of different bases and things to look at the different types of content that we were showing them. And when you say you looked at discrimination, did you look at a wide range of different types of discrimination? What were the kind of hot topics that you were looking at? 
Um, so as we mentioned, like we really wanted to look at kind of older works as well. So we had kind of like, you know, sitcoms and things from you know, the nineteen sixties. What's often regarded as kind of kind of classic films. And we had stuff from like Lawrence of Arabia, Breakfast at Tiffany's, right up until like lots of modern content as well. We had documentaries, dramas, you know, period dramas and things as well. Seeing how portraying something in a historical context does that you know, play into how people respond to issues of discrimination, racism, and how they're represented on screen. So we really tried to cover like a whole range of different content. Um, some cases like showing things as clip forms, sometimes full features. Uh, so we used four full features as part of the research. Those are Blinded by the Light, uh, Hidden Figures, Selma, and the documentary I Am Not Your Negro uh, about James Baldwin. We also had a few trailers and things in there because we classify trailers slightly differently. So coming in an unbidden context and things we want to look at, you know, when you go to the cinema, you sit down, you know what you're going to watch, but a trailer placed beforehand, how do people respond to potentially seeing issues of discrimination, racism in a trailer context before that? So we tried to cover as many different bases as we could as part of the research. You talked about Black Lives Matter movement, but Sarah, I really wanted to know, have we ever done any research in this area before? Um, has it been a hot topic for the BBFC in the past? Absolutely. I think some of the key milestones in terms of our research on this issue would be 2008. That was one of the first times where the public was really, really clear to us that even though we were always considering issues of racism and discrimination, that they wanted us to be really specific about discrimination in our guidelines. So if you looked at our guidelines document, which you can do on our website, you'll notice that there are sort of nine specific content considerations that we outline in detail through the categories, what you can expect to find. And 2008 was when we included discrimination as one of those. And it's interesting because in our latest guidelines research, the key finding from that in 2019 was around attitudes towards sexual violence. And people wanted us to be a lot more restrictive on how we classify that issue um, at the 12, 15 and 15, 18 border. The key finding as a result of that really was for us, again, to put really specifically in our guidelines, a heading on sexual violence uh, through the age rating system. So in both of those cases, you know, these are really huge content issues. So we've always considered these issues and looked at these issues in depth through our research work. Great. And Kamlish, why do you think it's so important that we've conducted this research? It was so important to conduct this research as racism and discrimination is such an important topic and has never been more relevant in light of numerous issues which have emerged, not just here in the UK, but globally. Of course, we're extremely aware of the significant work of different organisations seeking to raise awareness and affect positive change in this area. That's why we wanted to speak directly to people who have first-hand experience and listen to them. It's important to listen to minority groups and give valuable time to their opinions. We must be conscious of what might be deeply offensive among smaller groups or what might cause harm. It's our role to ensure our standards contribute to a cohesive and more inclusive society. Thanks, Kamlish. So, Chris, what were the key findings from the research? So something that was like really encouraging for us at the BBFC uh, was the fact that people agree with the ratings that we have given to you know, the different clips, the different films and things that, that we use as part of the research. And then another finding that kind of relates to that was also the empathy that people showed towards others as part of the research. We had this very diverse kind of mix of participants and a range of different issues being covered in the clips. So even where some people may not have been directly affected by what was in the clip, they could still appreciate how it may be received by other people. So really kind of like placing themselves in someone else's shoes, realising that having empathy towards others 
was a kind of really kind of touching and, and kind of quite moving kind of part of the research and things that came out of it. Within that as well, we were looking at you know, what are the aggravating and mitigating factors that we should be bearing in mind when we're making classification decisions. So obviously a mitigating factor is something which would support it being kept or passed at a lower category, whereas aggravating is something that would tip it towards a higher category. It kind of reinforced what, you know, our current practice in terms of aggravating factors. So if the racism or discrimination is accompanied by kind of violent or threatening behaviour, aggressive language, that kind of thing, like obviously that's going to you know, tip it to a higher category. But there were certain things in terms of potentially defending things at lower categories. And the big one there really was the educational value, particularly in the case of documentaries. So as I mentioned, that we used I'm Not Your Negro, the documentary. We also used Won't You Be My Neighbour, um, the Mr. Rogers documentary, which covered kind of issues of homophobia as well as racism. And people really saw the value in kind of showing younger audiences these documentaries and what they could learn and glean from that. And that kind of tied into some of these kind of historical biopics as well. So like uh, Selma and Hidden Figures. Again, seeing things within that historical context enabled kind of parents in particular to kind of see how showing that to their children, contextualising it for them, having those conversations around it could be really beneficial. So moving forward and things, we're going to be very mindful in terms of you know, the value of some of these things in terms of educational and historical contexts. Do you think it's because it really distances the viewer from the particular issue? Because I'm thinking about documentaries and their educational value. Is it that it's usually very clearly condoned or is it something else? Well, a really interesting thing that came out of the research was not just in relation to parents, but you know, some different participants. So the vast majority of people in most cases like, agreed with the ratings that the BBSC had given. But in some cases, people would go slightly higher. In some cases, people would go slightly lower. And with those ones where they had that slight like, differentiation with what the, the rating that we would have assigned a certain piece of content, two kind of key groups were identified, which the research had kind of labelled protectors and preparers. And the idea behind that is that you know, certain people who would identify as protectors would generally kind of rate things slightly higher because they want to kind of shield their children or just children in general from some of this kind of potentially upsetting or offensive content. On the other hand, you had preparers who, again, kind of saw the value in potentially you know, showing some of this stuff to younger children as a way of kind of preparing them for what they may experience you know, in the real world. And also just kind of learning you know, what others might be experiencing as well. So kind of playing into that empathy part as well. That's a really interesting finding, I think. And I think, um, Sarah, thinking from like an education perspective, that's, that's something that's really interesting to know when educating kids. I wondered if you had tips for discussing this issue and what people can do to find out about these issues before they watch a film together. Yeah, so our ratings info is a fantastic resource for, for anybody, but particularly for parents, um, as well as some teachers as well who might be using film in the classroom. So some of you might not be familiar with the term ratings info, but you absolutely will know it when you see it. And at the BBFC, for every feature film that we rate, we produce something called short ratings info. And that short ratings info, you'll see when you go to the cinema, it'll pop up on the black card, or you might see it on Netflix. And it's really designed to give you a top level idea about what the main content issues that are going to be in the piece of content that you're about to watch. So as I say, we produce this 
information for every film that we rate. And in addition to that, we also produce something called long ratings info, which is basically just a bit more detailed information about all of the content issues that are arising in that film or TV content that you're about to watch. So our short ratings info can't really give you an indication about everything, but our long ratings info certainly can. And where you can access that, you can access that on our website, bbfc.co.uk or on our app. And it's also worth as well checking out our children's website, cbbfc.co.uk. It's a bit of a mouthful, that one. And uh, you can also find ratings info on there. And it's, it's sort of worth saying, particularly for parents with younger children who might want to be introducing their, their children to these issues, which you know are quite difficult at times to, to start explaining. Our children's website is a really good resource because what we really spotlight on CBBFC is those films that are particularly suitable for children around the age of, of eight and, and younger. So it's a really good resource for any parents or teachers out there. Great. Thanks, Sarah. This is a question to both of you, just because we were talking about documentaries a bit earlier, but I wondered whether it was just documentaries that we were going to be considering having educational value or whether it was a bit of a wider like compare it to these other films um, absolutely I mean this idea of educational value is um, absolutely kind of fundamental to how we sort of rate any piece of content and it's mentioned all throughout our guidelines which you can have a look at on our website and it, it doesn't just apply to documentaries although naturally being a documentary, they, their purpose often is to inform and educate as well as entertain, whereas perhaps in the context of a feature film, you know, its main purpose might be to entertain and then inform and educate. But absolutely, feature films can do this really, really well. And I think in some of the key films that Chris mentioned that we asked people to look at in the research and watch in full, I mean, all, all four of them kind of have really strong educational value, but I'd say particularly Hidden Figures is really valuable for sort of introducing younger children to these issues. And that was something that in the findings really kind of came out from people's responses to Hidden Figures, that the way it's kind of talking about issues of racism, but also sexism are, are, are in a way that is accessible for younger children to kind of understand and for parents to introduce uh, their children to these issues. And similarly, Blinded by the Light, which is, I mean, it's, it's on sort of um, media curriculums now. It, it digs into issues of racism in, in a stronger way. You know, the content issues are stronger in that film. There are also other content issues as, in addition to the racism, but certainly the way that racism is... Uh, discussed in that film is just a much stronger so there's racist language in there there's a lot more scenes in which our main character is directly experiencing racism as well often some of it has a bit of an aggressive and violent tone so it's it's definitely a step up from something like hidden figures but again even though there are what we would call those aggravating factors in in the film like blinded by the light overall the way in which the film is utterly reassuring it's really positive it's really uplifting has real value for for younger for younger audiences particularly in terms of introducing younger teens to 1980s britain and what the sort of social and cultural and historical landscape of the uk was at that time that's so interesting. Um, thinking about like historical context, it's so easy to watch something, maybe an older piece of content, look at the age rating and then the language that is in it isn't language that we would use to describe something today, but you can kind of contextualise it to that time. So I actually wanted to ask you, Chris, you talked a bit about Lawrence of Arabia and Breakfast at Tiffany's, maybe older content that we looked at. What do people tell us about older content? 
Yes, this is one of these kind of really interesting subjects that we went to look at as part of the research. It was kind of discussed quite a lot, you know, last year in media conversations and things about how things have changed and aged, whether it's aged well. I'm sure we've all been there when we've, you know, been watching a kind of a film, where, you know, that perhaps a classic film that we love or something, and then a certain line of dialogue or, you know, maybe a stereotype or something comes up in it and we go, hasn't aged very well, you know, kind of conscious of that and the way that it's kind of seen from a modern viewpoint. So we, you know, we did have a whole range of kind of different clips and things that we use as part of the research to really kind of test, like, what do people think around some of this older content? Do people you know, view it as a product of its time or are kind of contemporary sensibilities and things such that you know, people want stuff to be rated higher potentially uh, because of the potential offence? So the research findings like, were really interesting in that the vast majority of people are very capable of contextualising something, viewing it as a product of its time. Um, bearing in mind, like you know, most of these people are adults who are able to do that, but they are conscious of how their children may perceive it or understand it. So while they don't necessarily think that we need to increase ratings or you know, rate things higher should they be resubmitted in certain examples, um, they do very much want to be made aware of it through our ratings info. So if they are watching it with their children or planning to watch it with their children, they can be fully informed about what kind of content is in there. And then if necessary, like contextualize it, make their children kind of understand that, you know, this was something that happened in you know, the 1960s, for example, whether it's a, a piece of casting or a certain type of behavior or language, which not to be acceptable, but was just something that was you know, relatively common then, but isn't acceptable today. Um, a big fear that kind of parents kind of expressed was the idea of imitability and their children kind of seeing something and copying it today without understanding that your know, times have changed. So really kind of using our ratings info to inform people was a key thing. But in terms of the actual ratings, the big thing there really was uh, this idea of intent. Uh, you know, what is the intent behind, for example... An area that we looked at was assumed racial identities. You know, a classic example kind of being like a white person playing another ethnicity as part of a film. For like Lawrence of Arabia, for example, you know, the Alec Guinness character in that, you know, although it's Alec Guinness is a white man, he's playing an Arabic person in the, in the film. So although you know, there is the potential to cause offence there, the portrayal and the intent behind it was to be very respectful in terms of you know, how Alec Guinness plays that character. You compare that to Breakfast at Tiffany's, for example, and the Mickey Rooney portrayal of you know, a Japanese person in uh, in the film, where it's playing far more into very derogatory uh, stereotypes in terms of physicality. The character is quite kind of bumbling and stupid. So there's a much greater kind of potential for offence there because of the intent behind the betrayal. So in those cases, Breakfast at Tiffany's, it may not necessarily need to be rated higher, uh, because people are capable of viewing it as a product of its time, but they very much want to be made aware that this type of content is in in there. So we kind of presented like a range of different terms that we could use in our ratings info in terms of what was the best way to communicate this. And the one that people picked out was the phrase discriminatory stereotypes. Mm -hmm. So if we do see some of these stereotypes that you know are really leaning into derogatory aspects, yes, there may be occasions where we do increase a rating, uh, for example, you know, we used a clip from the jazz singer, which you know is an iconic piece of cinema because of what what it achieved in terms of like sound technology and things. So it is a kind of a recognised kind of part of the cinema kind of lexicon. But at the same time, the the blackface sequences in that do have the potential to cause offence. 
Um, it's been a number of years since the jazz singer came into us again. The last time it was seen, it was rated U, um, say it was a number of years ago. But were that to come in again, it would likely be rated higher than that now. Breakfast at Tiffany's to say it might not necessarily be rated higher, but we would definitely mention something in the ratings info so parents could make an informed decision. Right, and that's really interesting. So what are we going to be... So you mentioned people playing characters of a different ethnicity to them. How will we categorise that in our ratings info when we're communicating that to parents? Sure, so again, like in the short ratings info, we'd be describing that stuff as uh, discriminatory stereotypes. In terms of our long ratings info, we will now start using a phrase along the lines of uh, an actor in makeup portraying another ethnicity. Um, or a variation upon that to kind of inform people that that kind of content is in there, but avoiding potentially offensive terms whilst doing so. That's really helpful, I think. The ratings info just seems to be such a great place for and a resource for parents and, and families and people who are vulnerable to find information that they need. So we've talked a bit about like more historical content, but what about um, racism and discrimination in modern content? So like, in keeping with like, yeah, what we were just talking about then in terms of uh, you know, assumed racial identities and things, whilst people can put it in the, the context of, its, you know, of the product of its time and things for older works, people really don't expect to see that kind of stuff in modern works. So if we did see that in something produced more recently, it would be likely to be rated much higher than it probably would do in something like in, a, in an older work. Again, like intent, we do kind of consider that you know, across the board. There are certain examples where there may be some kind of discriminatory behaviour in a film, but within the context, the like the intent isn't as a kind of aggressive or derogatory. You know, people might have seen Minari, the you had a Korean American film, which came out was it last year, I think. So there's a sequence in that when some American children first encounter the Korean American children, and they make some comments which kind of are kind of racist and offensive. But it comes from this place of not understanding, and they're not trying to be offensive or derogatory towards them. They're just kind of curious and don't have the kind of the vocabulary and the mindset and things to to kind of couch those conversations properly so that's something where the intent is is kind of slightly different towards something like what sarah was talking about with blinded by the light where there is very kind of hateful and intentional uh, racist you know violent behavior um so that's something we're going to going to be very mindful of across the board in terms of like the, our approach to it that so many people agreed with the ratings decisions that we're making that there's not going to be huge changes to how we approach kind of modern content looking out again for those you know the aggravating factors that we've talked about in terms of mitigating a key one being condemnation so you know we used a clip from glee where a character uses the f word in relation to a homosexual character and it is immediately like called out on it, um, the the boy's father, you know, really kind of lays into him and says, like, that word isn't acceptable. You know, you shouldn't be doing that at all. It gives a full kind of explanation as to why, and it's really called out immediately. Likewise, um, we had a clip from uh, called the midwife, where a doctor is talking about a child who's uh, been born with Down syndrome. And although he uses a discriminatory term, he does it in the context of saying this term is completely unacceptable and shouldn't be used. So that idea of condemnation, and again, the, that kind of reaches the the educational value of these works. So a lot of this is really like with the idea that you know if children are watching this, what messages are they taking away from that? Uh, so again, we can use our ratings info to inform parents to help them make the right viewing choices, but bearing also in mind like what the work itself is doing in terms of the messages that it's giving. Great. And I really want to go back to this point about empathy, because as you say, Chris, I think it's a really nice finding that we found from this research. And I really think it's a 
a really valuable thing to know about the world because you hear so much doom and gloom. Camlish, I wondered uh, what your thoughts were on that finding. I suppose I've always believed that people are largely empathetic towards others and it's heartening to see the research reflecting that. Recognising that even if they're not personally offended by a certain term of behaviour, they acknowledge others may be and we should consider this when making classification decisions. It also shows support for our ratings information and content advice, showing that people want to be aware of what they might see or hear in films and TV shows, even if the issue doesn't upset or offend them personally. Thanks, Camlish. So, and Sarah, are we making any changes to how we classify racist language? Um, yeah, in certain instances we are. So one of the really clear findings from this research was that even though we were already very restrictive on any type of racial or discriminatory slur at the junior categories, we had a few isolated examples where there were uses of the N-word at PG. In particular, we used a clip from the Jesse Owens biopic film called Race, which does have a use of the N-word in. And at the time, we did pass it PG because of the really strong educational value of that film. It's overall incredibly uplifting and positive story about an incredible man who achieved great things. But we were a bit unsure about the racist language and wanted to check in with what people were thinking as to its suitability at the PG age rating. So we did show that clip as well as a couple of others. And it was really clear that people were not content with us passing words like the N-word at PG. And so as a direct result of this research, typically uses of the N-word will now automatically go to 12. There may be exceptional contextual justification for us to pass it lower. Perhaps if a film has is a documentary with absolutely huge educational value and appeal to children, but it's quite hard to imagine a, a case where we would pass the N-word below 12 now. But people generally just wanted us to pass that word at 12 now. Chris, was there any other findings, particularly around language in the research? Uh, yeah, so we, as well as kind of looking at racist language and things, we also looked at reclaimed use of certain terms as well. Uh, so earlier in 2021, we published our language research. Although that was primarily looking at strong language and very strong language, we also looked at these kind of reclaimed uses, particularly of the N-word there. And following that research, we started trialling using the term racial language in our uh, short ratings info for reclaimed uses of the n-word or peer-to-peer uses for example the kind of thing that you might see or hear in a music video Mm -hmm. Um, so we took that research into this research as well to kind of go further into it we used a lot more kind of uh, clips and different sources and things Mm. asked a lot more questions kind of burrowing down into this and one of the things that we did find is that people really do see a difference particularly in relation to the n-word between obviously racist uses and the reclaimed peer-to-peer uses so again, like moving forward now, we are going to kind of carry on using that term racial language to describe the reclaimed peer-to-peer uses and also extend it to a kind of similar terms, which may have been from a particular kind of historical period or being used in relation to kind of organisations and things. Great. It is interesting that we're not really changing too much in terms of our policy based on this. It's really encouraging to see that we were kind of already in line with what a lot of the public think. And this is a hot topic that a lot of people ask about, but do you think people want content warnings? And why do you think people 
need them. Certainly based on this research and many of the other bits of research that we've done in the past few years, the answer to that is absolutely yes. Content warnings are really, really important, really valuable and actually like really demanded and wanted by members of the public. As sort of Chris was already talking about earlier, particularly for parents, I think having content warnings, which the BBFC, you know, we describe ours as ratings info, is such a useful and incredible tool for parents to really find out what issues are in a piece of content before they watch it to sit down with their family and particularly when it comes to in the context of issues of racism and discrimination where I think parents as again Chris has already talked about sort of split into this idea of protectors or preparers and really want to be the controller of when those issues are sort of introduced to their children by checking out our ratings info, they can certainly it can certainly help them do that. And Kamalish, what's your views on content warnings? Content warnings are a vital tool. And this research really shows that people understand they're there to protect others, even if they're not offended by something themselves. So whether you're someone keen to protect a person or to prepare the viewer, both protectors and preparers wanted content warnings to make decisions for them and their families. I suppose it's about giving people all of the information they need before they press play and letting them make their own content decisions. That's really insightful, thank you. Sarah, I wanted to ask you, so we've talked a lot about racism, but there was a whole other component of this research around you know, wider discrimination. Um, I wondered whether this research looked at things like sexism or ableism. Yeah, we did, as Chris sort of mentioned in sort of his opener, that the main focus was on issues of racism, but we did also look at content that raised other issues of discrimination, including homophobia, sexism, ableism, transphobia, and I think what was really key is, is kind of like the findings that we've talked about are generally apply across whatever form of discrimination that is coming up in a piece of content. But what was really key is that people really wanted us to, where possible, is be really specific about what type of discrimination is, is coming up in a, in a film or TV show. So, for example, if a TV show has issues of homophobia in it, we will be specific about that in our short ratings info. I think it's really great that we looked into these areas and that we'll be giving people the information they need if they don't particularly want to see an issue on screen. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a delight to chat with you all. Uh, you can find out more about our research on our website, so please do check it out. And as always, if you have any questions or would like to chat to us about the podcast, drop us a message on Twitter at BBFC or on Facebook. Alternatively, you can email us at podcast at bbfc.co.uk. Thank you very much for listening.